Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. As we look at the last two boundaries of freedom in Exodus, we find that God has given us a way to live that frees us from the constant feeling of discontentment. We will discover that the life of freedom reorients our desire towards God alone. How many of you watched the big game last Sunday? Okay. How many of you didn't watch the game, you watched the commercials? (laughs) Some people don't watch the game, they watch the commercials, right? But do you you know what the principles of modern day advertising are? You ready? If you watch any commercial, you will probably find one of these things. Ready? Comedy. Nostalgia. Patriotism. Charity. Envy, necessity, and scarcity. These are the modern-day principles of advertising that I could think of. I didn't actually look this one up, but that's... If you were to actually go to look at all the commercials, though, last weekend, you would have found all of that. Whether it be a dancing mustache trying to sell you Doritos, or Google trying to help an older gentleman remember all the times he had with his wife. To Budweiser saying, this is what a typical American is. To luxury car brands saying, hey, you could use this kind of luxury in your life, right? These are the principles of modern-day advertising. And the, the concept is, is they use one or all of these things to get you and I to purchase their products. We have to remember that every single time. It's always funny. Oh, that was such a great commercial. It had such a great message. Remember, it was a great message to get you to buy what they're selling. To say, oh, this company, they've got... They've got heart. They've got great ethics. You know, they're still selling you something. (laughs) And what these ads look to do is to work up within us a reason to buy what they are selling or use what they are offering, right? That's what ads are truly about. They look to sow within our souls this this discontentment to say, my life would be better if I had this, if I bought this, if I used this. That is what advertising is all about. And that is really a lot of what our economy is based on. You should be able to buy what you think you need for life. And look at all these shiny things and buy this thing. And look at this shiny thing over here and buy this over here. And look, we'll make you laugh so you can eat highly processed cheese on a tortilla chip. It's fine, promise. Doesn't matter if your your hand turns completely orange. It's good for you, right? No, not. We are continuously encouraged in our culture to move forward in our lives and to acquire the things that we want to acquire. 
So how do we do that? We climb the ladder of economic prosperity. We look to move forward in our careers. And all of a sudden, everything in our lives is about the next experience or the next car or the next thing or the next piece of real estate or the next fill in the blank. We live in a culture of discontentment because we are sold that you have the freedom to purchase what you want to purchase. Do you see how freedom, do what you want, so easily becomes something that we are enslaved to? It's like we talked about two weeks ago. The iPhone made calls, did everything a computer did. And then they came out with the iPad, which the iPad was a bigger form of the iPhone, but it didn't make calls. And people still bought it. We live in a culture of the more you buy, the more you want, the more you want, the more you buy, and it's just a vicious circle. Friends, have you ever wondered, maybe God designed us to be something different than just what we are able to get, what we're able to buy, what we're able to own? Aren't you and I more than the stuff that we have, the possessions that we have, the careers that we have, the money that we make, the stuff that we need? If you've ever asked that question, the good news is the answer to that is yes. We are far more than what we can buy and what we can get and what we can own. But we struggle with it in our culture. Because our culture continuously looks to sow that, that mindset that I am not content with what I have. I need to work harder or get this or that, these and those to be happier. God wants us to be free of that. And the last two commandments that we are looking at in our series called Boundaries of Freedom looks to free us from this discontentment. These last two commandments that we are going to go over today is something that looks to free us from this culture that says you are what you own or you are what you make or you are what you have gotten. And if you're joining us for the first time and you're like, boundaries of freedom, that sounds weird, that sounds like an oxymoron, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the Ten Commandments, which were given in the book of Exodus, to a people who were enslaved, like legitimately enslaved by Egypt. And God came and worked in such a way that he freed them from slavery. And then God would move them through the wilderness for 40 years, and God would show that he wasn't just the liberator, he is also the provider for this new community. And so as they're out in the middle of the desert where there is, no, there is not a lot of food, it's hard to feed thousands of people when you're in the middle of the desert, God says, here, have some manna. Here, have some quail. Eat. I am providing for you. And it's after these two events that he finally moves them to a mountain where he looks to say, look, I am your God, and I want you to be my people. So this is how you live out a free life as my people. And he gives them the Ten Commandments. We often don't see the Ten Commandments as 
10 statements of freedom, we see them as prohibitions, do or do not, and all these things. But really, within these statements, they are boundaries for us to live a free life with God and for the people of God to give freedom to others. Because that was another part of the covenant that God was making with his people. Behold, I am going to bless you so that you will be a blessing for all nations. It was never this concept of, hey, live within this and stay within your own parameters. And No, these were designed to be enacted not just among the people of Israel, but among the nations of the world so that they would be a blessing to others. So what we find out is that these commandments, these do's and don'ts, are actually these boundaries that actually give freedom for people to be the people of God. Past three weeks, we have learned that God has given us freedom in these ways through the Ten Commandments. God frees us to be human. He says, I'm God, you are not. You can't use me. You can't, you, you can't say that I do things for your own will and way. I am God. Trust me on that. I will show you what's good and what is not good. I will show you what is right and what is wrong. I will show you what it means to live a good and free life. Second week, we talked about how God frees us to rest. The people of Israel were people of work, oppressive work. And he says, no, you're going to be defined by a people who take a day off. You don't have to work continuously. In fact, you are not designed to work continuously. Rest as I have rested. And then last week, we talked about that God frees us from the power struggle. That when we look to kill each other, when we look to go out of our relationships and cheat on somebody, or if we look to fight with others, or if we look to lie to others, what it really is is that we are struggling for power over another human being. And what God says is, don't do that. I am God. I am the real source of power. You don't have to take part in the power struggle of this world. You don't have to kill. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to lie. You don't have to fight. I got gotcha. you. Today, these last two commandments, God is going to free us from that discontentment that we were just talking about. The two commandments that we're going to look at today are 8 and 10. So the, the scripture that we're going to read is Exodus chapter 20, 15, and 17. It'll be up on the, the screen for you. It'll be really, really fast. Do not steal. I don't know if he talks about baseball or not, but okay. Uh, the next. <laughs> Do not desire your neighbor's house. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Do not steal. Do not desire your neighbor's house. Maybe you have a translation that says, do not covet. Now, these two commandments have everything to do with discontentment. Let's, let's start with stealing first. What is stealing? Well, it's simple. It's you take something that doesn't belong to you that you desire. Right? Pretty simple, right? Wait, it's not always that simple. 
(laughs) You and I often think of stealing as in theft, taking somebody else's private property, right? That's what you and I think of whenever we think of stealing, because you and I live in a Western individualized world. And so, okay, I, as a five-year-old, don't go and take the crayons that belong to Bob over here. I don't do that. However, God and these people are living in a different context. And it's really important to realize that they don't just think individually, but they think as a community. And so as we begin to think about the community side of stealing, we come to the realization that every single human being on this earth requires a number of things to live in this world. Every single one of us needs food. I have yet to find a person who doesn't need it. I have yet to find a person who is happy when they don't have food. (laughs) We all need water. We all need shelter. And for the most part, most cultures need clothing. There are still some cultures in the world that do not need clothing to live their lives. These are the four necessities of life. This is how you and I continue to live a life, is food, water, shelter, clothing. And if every single human being needs this, then that means, friends, that God wants every human being to have this. And if somebody doesn't have it, then what is causing that issue? More than likely, it's because people, individuals, a group of people, are taking more than what they need. And they are actually stealing the necessities of others for themselves so they can feel more comfortable. Hear this out, friends. God doesn't just care about how you and I relate with each other. He doesn't just care about how how you feel about your neighbor. He also cares about our relationships to the resources that are necessary for people to live in this world. And so we have to open our minds to say, is my life contributing to others who have less than me? Have I taken more of this world than I needed to? Am I stealing from this world what God has given for us to be able to live in this world together for those others who live less than me? So do not steal extends beyond theft, friends. It has to. Because if we are to be a blessing to our neighbor, then it's going to have to mean that we are a blessing to our neighbor and we're not taking from our neighbor so that we feel better about our lives. That is why he told Israel to do this. And what does he do? He points back to himself and say, hey, I provide what is necessary for life. Trust me about what you need. 
Don't get caught up in the, well, I think I need this, when it's probably just a want. But look to me. I will provide for you. You don't have to go to your neighbor or you don't have to go into the world and take all that you can so that you are taking from other human beings. Rather, you can rely on me. If God liberates us from the power struggle, if God liberates us from this concept of of how we are dependent upon ourselves, God also shows us that he is the provider. How does he show it? Manna and quail. It goes directly back to that. So hear this out, friends. God shows us in these commandments that we don't need to seek resources and possessions in a way that hurts other people because he is our provider. We do not need to seek resources and possessions in a way that hurts other people because he is our provider. That tenth commandment sort of gets at the heart of the do not steal commandment, doesn't it? Don't desire what other people have. Don't desire your neighbor's house. Don't desire their spouse. Don't despise, or don't, don't desire their mouse. I can, this is a poem all of a sudden. House, spouse, mouse. Usually, friends, people who steal desire something that they don't have. And whether they do it explicitly and say, I'm going to go and take somebody's private property, or the implicit ways of, I just want this, and I'll do whatever it takes to get it, all of a sudden we find ourselves at the mercy of our desire. We are coveting so much we are willing to do what it takes. Isn't it interesting that the very first sin of the entire world that's recorded in Scripture comes from desire? If you know the creation account, if you know the fall of humanity, you know that man and woman lived in the garden and God said, enjoy everything except that. Ooh, what's that over there? I desire it. Please don't. You'll just ruin everything. Walk over a tree. Serpent talks a little bit. Yeah, this looks good to eat. I want this. I know God said not to, but I want it. We all assume it's an apple. It just says fruit. We don't know. Maybe it required peeling. I don't know. (laughs) The very first sin was desiring something outside of the boundary that God had given to humanity. And so this 10th commandment really is the, the heart of all the commandments that precede it. 
I want to be my own God, so I worship myself. I want to manipulate God, so I create an idol for myself. I want to get what I want, so I will work continuously. I want the powers of the world, so I will kill to get it. I want pleasure in my life, so I'll go outside the relationship that God has given me. I want my way, so I'll war with older generations and younger generations, so I can do what I want. Do you see this? Do you see how desire is the key to all the other commandments? God says this because he wants us to trust him, our creator, our savior, our provider. And so if he is creator and savior and provider, guess what? Our only desire is to be Him and Him alone. His ways for our lives. This boundary of freedom turns back and says, look at me. I am the one who gives you this free life. I am the one who provides for you in this free life. Trust me. You don't need anything. Accept me. I will care for you. So for these people of ancient Israel, this is what this commandment means. Their desire alone is to be God's people and to do the will of God. Now again, you might think to yourself, do these Ten Commandments really have anything to do with our lives? Well, friends, our liberator, our provider is Christ. And I've said this every week, just to remind you, that Jesus Christ did not throw out the law whenever he lived on this earth. In fact, he built upon it. He built upon it in such a way that those who follow Jesus, those who have come to him and said, Lord, I can't do this alone. I know I have sinned. I ask for your forgiveness. And I look to live your life. So I look to follow you. Follow what he does. He followed it all. He rested all the time. He, he looked to the Father for everything. He did not go about his ministry by getting his way, by killing others, but rather gave himself away. So when we receive these commandments to the Israelites, we recognize that these commandments have our keys for us to live the free life that Christ has brought us through the cross and resurrection. And so, friends, if you read Do Not Steal and Do Not Covet, and I think, I don't struggle with this. Let's go back for a moment as we look at our culture of discontentment of where we live. Because let's really be honest, our economy is based upon people acting upon their desires to get what they want. 
There are more jobs if there are more sales. And so what we end up doing is we are actually enslaved to this system where everybody's trying to get what they can get to be happier, to be what they want to be. And God says, your only desire is to be me. Your only desire is me and me alone. That culture of discontentment is that inner voice that says, what I have in life is not enough. It's that inner voice that says, I will not be happy until I reach this status or I get this certain thing. I will not be successful until I make this amount of money. I will not be content unless I am accepted by fill in the blank. How many people buy stuff to look good for other people? How many of us have fallen into that? How many of us have that pride with your parents? Remember when you're, you're first starting out and things like that? We don't need to look like we're, we're short of money. Parent, you know, get this and that and these and those. No, parents, I don't need anything. Because we don't want to disappoint them. These are seeds of discontentment in our lives. And God says, don't believe it. You are not what you own. You are not what you make. You are not what you can get. God is looking to free us from that interior voice that says those things. And he frees us to be content with what he provides. Only then, if we are content with God and what he gives to us, only when we are content with everything that he provides, those necessities, will we be able to begin to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because otherwise, we're just in competition with our neighbors to get what we want to get. Walter Brueggemann says it this way, within a community of genuine coveting, the drive of desire will be displaced by the honoring of the neighbor, by the sharing of goods, and by the acceptance of one's own possessions as adequate. Friends, if our desire is anything of this world, we will struggle to love our neighbor as ourselves. So friends, what is necessary in your life? That's a big question in a world that we live in. In a world filled with technology and things that you could have. In a world that says you really make it when you own your own home. In a world that continuously bombards us with messages that, hey, your life would be better here. What is necessary? Because God has created you and I to work in such a way that we rely upon him for work and then we rely upon him for rest 
and what he provides in our work and through his providential ways is enough. We live in a day of TV preachers that say, give to my ministry because I need a G6 private jet. God blessed me with this. No, he didn't. You said you needed it. But what you really meant was you wanted it. We live in a day and age where we go to the grocery store and we buy way more food than what we'll consume. We live in a day and age where people throw out clothing because it's out of style. Just hold 30 years, it will, it'll come back, I promise. Seriously, I love going to the mall and it's like, I wore that in high school, it's great. What God says is, all of this stuff is worthless. All this stuff that you were working so hard for, it's not worth it. Desire me alone. Desire me, your God, your Savior, your provider, and I will show you what you need. And I will show you what to give to others so that they are not in need. This is why Jesus continuously throughout his ministry talked about money and stuff. It's why when a rich young ruler comes to him and says, hey, I want to follow you, Jesus, he understood that that man's desire was to have stuff to have riches. And he says, go, sell all your possessions, and then you can follow me. And guess what? He loved his possessions far more than Christ. May we not be the rich young ruler. It's why he had the audacity to say, don't go for the treasures of this earth. Instead, store up treasures in heaven. This isn't a spiritual, physical, no, no. He's saying, let go of all the stuff that you are holding on to and just desire me. The intimacy that I want with you will help you forego all of the distractions of this world. You don't need all this extra stuff. Just rely on me and I will give you what you need to live a life of love and holiness. And it's why he has the audacity to say, hey, look at the lilies of the field. Are they working so hard and worrying about everything? No, they're fine. God provides for them. So I provide for you. Life is not about possessions, wealth, aspirations, but rather complete intimacy and dependency upon God. That is what life is about. The economy of God, friends, isn't the ability to get what we want, but it's to accept what God provides as necessary for life, and then turn to our neighbor, making sure that they have what is necessary for life.
That is what the economy of God is. Trust me, every single economic system created by humans will have problems. Even the one we currently live in. And if we think for a moment that God blesses our ways to get what we want, we begin to make an idol out of God and we begin to use His name in vain. The economy of God is to accept what God provides as enough and then turn to our neighbor with radical generosity, making sure that they have what is necessary life. What are the things in your life that you desire that keep you from desiring God alone? What are the things that you use your work for? Is it physical possessions? Is it entertainment? Is it safety? Some of us spend our entire lives just trying to be safe, not trusting that God is with us. And provides enough. Is it comfort? Some of us just want, life's hard enough. Life's hard. I deserve the $4 coffee every day. And I deserve the, the nicest of this. And the most luxurious of this. And all of this. Is it our goals? Is our desires certain Parts of the socioeconomic tree that says, if I just make this much, things will be good. They won't. We are called to be free from those desires, friends, and to begin living lives desiring God alone and his will for our lives. This is the freedom he offers. This is the freedom of contentedness. You and I are free by God to accept what he provides and say, this is enough. God, you are enough. I think it's why Jesus... At one point in Luke chapter 21, <laughs> makes an example out of somebody nobody was expecting he would make an example out of. Looking up, Jesus saw rich people throwing their gifts into the collection box for the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow, a widow who would not have income, friends, because widows were did not have income. They were taken care of by others. They didn't have retirements and 401ks. He also saw a poor widow throw in two small copper coins worth a penny. And Jesus said this, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than them all. All of them are giving out of their spare change, but she from her hopeless poverty, has given everything she had to live on. She could only do it because of complete trust that God would provide. 
God just doesn't care about our relationships. He cares about the stuff in this world so that people will have a life to live. Don't let advertisements, don't let the world tell you otherwise. May we desire God and what he wants for our lives alone and be free from the discontentment of our society and be content with what he provides. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street, Northwest, in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.